It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and you are indeed locked on magic today is october 21st 2020 my name is philip bossman i'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com you can follow me on twitter at philip rr underscore on today's episode of locked on magic we're going to talk about the trade market and where the magic stand and why i think they're in a position of power but why that position of power isn't so powerful the contradictions the craziness of the NBA draft market. Also provide some brief comments on my NBA draft big board. I'll reveal a couple of the names that I'm interested in uh, in the NBA draft as we continue our NBA draft coverage. I'll, I'm just kind of giving a basic overview today. Um, I'll, I'll detail what I think the Magic should be looking for, what the Magic's goals should be in this draft. I think I made that fairly obvious yesterday. Um, very briefly here at the end of the show, my NBA draft, my Orlando Magic draft big board is going to be posting uh, this afternoon on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. So we'll have plenty to discuss after that. Now, before we get into any of this, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on any of the teams we're going to discuss today? Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Tampa Bay Rays are in the World Series. Check out Locked On Rays for complete World Series coverage. And of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going for a Super Bowl of their own. You can check them out at Locked On Bucks. You can find these podcasts wherever you download podcasts today, whether it's the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or College 2. There's a local podcast for you. Just search wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. If the Orlando Magic are going to take a step forward, or, 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 or well, better put, actually, and I think this is the ultimate goal of the season, make their team look like the team they ultimately want to be. The trade market is going to be the only way to do this. The Orlando Magic don't have cap room. All they have is the mid-level exception. They have the 15th pick in the draft. And while certainly you can get an impact player at 15, there is no way for this team to make meaningful and, and major changes 
without making a trade. And, and trades are tricky. Trades are notoriously complex. I tell everyone, anytime someone sends me a trade offer with like three or four teams involved and, and 20 players switching, I'm like, the more teams you add, the more likely I'm going to say that's not going to happen. Trades between two teams are incredibly complex. There's a whole bunch of competing interests. And I, I fully admit this. I am conservative when it comes to trades. I am not an aggressive trader. I'm not someone that, you know, I, the, 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 the lawyer to me almost wants to, wants to bring up doubts and say, well, have you thought about this? Or what about this? And that's this. At the end of the day, a decision is going to have to be made. At the end of the day, the Magic have to have an idea of what they want to do in this trade market. And they have to be willing to execute it. They have to have players that they want to target. They have to know exactly what they're willing to do to trade almost every player on the roster. The fact of the matter is, with this Magic team, every player is available. I know a lot of fans make Evan Fournier trade suggestions, and I think Evan Fournier is a very valuable trade chip, especially when he picks up his player option with an expiring contract. I, 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 a lot of fans want to trade Nikola Vucevic, um, seeing him as the representative of, of an of the previous regime or of the previous team and, and understanding that, yes, he does have limitations. A lot of people get upset when we suggest Aaron Gordon trade ideas. And the reality is, yes, that Aaron Gordon is still a very promising player, but that promise is also what makes him valuable. It is very, very tricky. And on top of all this, the Magics probably still have the goal of making the playoffs. While there is a general consensus that this is a good time for a tanking season or to throw the season away, that is not how this front office operates. Now, I personally believe that it's very possible that we have an accidental tanking season, which happens occasionally, where teams just, the bottom falls out on them and they're, they're not able to compete. And certainly Jonathan Isaac's injury presents an opportunity to do do something like that or, or, or the excuse for something like that to happen where the Magic end up with a top pick or a high pick in a much stronger 2021 draft class. But that's neither here nor there. At the moment, the Magic have goal have, have to have a goal and have an objective with what they're doing. I've gotten into plenty of arguments online about the Magic and their trade strategy. And my entire position on this is based on this assumption, or maybe not assumption, but based on this belief. The Magic have players that other teams want. They are trading from a position of power. They're trading from a position of, we don't have to trade these guys. We can run things back. We can be a 7 or 8 seed with the group that we have. That's ultimately not what we want to be. But if that's our floor, so be it. That's not the end of the world. That's not a bad thing. And so to me, well, I think a lot of teams suggest sniff around that the Magic are open for change, which they absolutely are. The Magic are the ones with control over what they get in return. They're not in a desperate situation where they're trying to save a team or or get rid of a guy because he's on an expiring contract. Outside of Evan Fournier, uh, who is expected to pick up his player option for the 2020-2021 season, they have contract control over every single one of these players. So to me then, the Magic are the ones with the power. The Magic are the ones with the ability to say, this is what we want, this is what it'll take, to trade this guy, and if you're not willing to meet that price, we can wait. When I tell people what I think the Magic's trading strategy is, I often say that the Magic need to trade with purpose. They're not in a position where they need to just get rid of anyone. 
Aaron Gordon is not holding Jonathan Isaac back or, or preventing Jonathan Isaac from reaching his full potential this season. Jonathan Isaac isn't playing this season. At this point, yes, it, it, the playoffs, I think, are important to the front office, but not so important that they will give up on an opportunity to bring in a player that they like or bring in a player that will make them better or fit the longer-term vision of this team. The only pressure the Magic are really feeling, and the only pressure that I think they should feel, is going to come next summer with the luxury tax. They do have to pay Jonathan Isaac, and I think there's an outside chance that the Magic and Jonathan Isaac come to an extension agreement before we get to the offseason. But the Magic have restricted free agents and Jonathan Isaac and Marco Fultz. The rookie contracts are up, and that's a ticking clock that the Magic do have to be concerned about. But otherwise, the clock isn't ticking on any of these guys outside of Evan Fournier. And I think most of us understand that the Magic are probably willing to part with Evan Fournier. They're not gonna they're not gonna extend him. They're not gonna give him another big contract. Everyone probably knows it is near time for that relationship to end. As good and as bad as it has been to some people. And so to me, the Magic are trading from a position of power. They're the ones that dictate what they want for these players. And that understood, they're the ones that should honestly be going out and looking for interest. Going out and looking for teams that have what they want and offering their players to get them. Because if no player is truly untradeable on on this roster, probably outside of Okiki, Isaac, uh, Fultz, and I think to some extent Bamba, although I I think it's very clear that Bamba's salary is some something that is very tradable and almost necessary. The only the only wrench in this plan is the Magic don't have small salaries to deal. Alfred Camino isn't got Alfred Camino is probably a, a low value contract right now. You know, Ken Birch makes about three million a year. He's got one year left on his deal. That might be something you can add to the fire. But having Mo Bamba's five million dollars like eases a lot of a lot of problems with with trade opportunities. Let me be clear on this though. Just because I think that the Magic are in a position of power does not mean I think that they can necessarily go get a star. This is not a trade season for the Magic where they're likely going to be buying, trying to find star players like Bradley Beal or Russell Westbrook or anyone like that unless they're willing to invest significant draft capital to do it. And in any case, as as it may be hard, hard to hear, I don't think this Magic team... I don't think this Magic team is ready for the star that binds them together. I know I've said in the past that I think this team is that one star close enough to being a real contender. But finding the perfect star that that fits every box that the Magic need or or is willing to commit to this team without gutting the team, I think is going to be extremely difficult. And this is where the Magic do lose their power. I, I, I say the Magic have are trading from a position of power. They need to trade from a position of power. Because they ultimately dictate what they want. They don't have to trade anyone. But where they lose their power is that a lot of their players have lost value. This was what hurt most about the 2020 season. It wasn't that the Magic didn't match the 2019 season. It wasn't anything like that. It was that enough players stagnated or didn't take a step forward, especially the key players that the Magic would trade, that they could go out and make those kinds of moves. Everyone knows Nikola Vucevic's limitations. He's not going to net... Um, the kind of star that, that the Magic would hope for. 
Aaron Gordon did not take the step forward, and his trade stock is probably lower today than it was at, at, at certainly at this time last year or at this time in the offseason last year. Jonathan Isaac's obviously on the shelf. Evan Fournier is an expiring contract. You can only do so much with that. And if the Magic do want to make a trade that drastically improves them, in the short term, they will have to include draft capital, which I don't think the Magic are quite willing to make, especially with the uncertainty over Jonathan Isaac's injury. If the Magic are going to trade Aaron Gordon, who is probably the most likely player the Magic would trade, they'd probably be getting a player like Tim Hardaway Jr. from Dallas or Kelly Oubre from Phoenix or, you know, someone on that level. A move that doesn't quite feel like a lateral move. It's a little bit of a step back. And I'd honestly say if I were the Magic looking to trade Aaron Gordon, I'd want a kind of big guy, big name player, not big name player, but a center, centerpiece player like a Kelly Oubre, but I'd also want something else. And, and that's going to be the trickier part than anything else because to a lot of teams, Gordon and Oubre are probably near the same level. And so, so again, while I do think the Magic need to trade from a position of power, the reality of the market is that it's going to be difficult to find exactly what the Magic want. It doesn't mean they should sit on their hands. It doesn't mean they shouldn't do something. That doesn't mean they shouldn't keep working to find a deal that makes sense to them. But it also doesn't mean they should just take something because it's there. If it doesn't meet their benchmarks, if it doesn't meet what they need, hold tight. There's a trade deadline. There's things beyond it. And you can let the season play out as it may. I know there is... I know the Magic need change. I don't think the Magic should stand still. I think the Magic do need to make a move involving a starter. But again, my goal, what I think the Magic need to accomplish is they need to push this team forward. They need to make this team look like the team they ultimately want to become. You don't just trade Aaron Gordon to trade Aaron Gordon. You trade Aaron Gordon to get a player, a piece, that will be part of this team's future one way or another. Frankly, I I tell this to everyone who's like, why aren't the Magic playing for cap room was like, cap room is useless to this team. I know they have the fifth highest payroll in the league this year and, and, and people have criticized the Magic for that, but they're not paying the luxury tax. That's what really matters. Cap room is only useful to the teams that are close enough to make the big moves. The Magic aren't there. The Magic aren't going after superstar free agents. The Magic aren't looking for kind of the, that last piece, that high price piece to, to make everything fit together. They're not at that stage. They're still at the growth and development stage. So using this trade market to find someone that can fit that growth and development, that's the most important thing. And keeping those goals in mind, the Magic know they don't have to make that move yet. And so for me, The Magic's goal is to make a move that helps them. Check off every box that it would take to make a trade. And then pull the trigger when it's there. The Magic cannot stand still, but they are in a position of power to wait for and negotiate the right deal. We'll talk about some of those trade possibilities and what's been discussed out there and why I do think the Magic have have a market for a trade, why they can find this kind of a trade coming up here in just a moment. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Built Bar. I, I am not a protein bar guy. I'm not a big 
workout guy. I don't understand workout science. I just kind of hop on my bike and go for 30 minutes and then I stop. Um, it, it, that's, that's, that's all this, all the other stuff just, it, it goes over my head and getting into the world of protein bars and trying to supplement your workout through your nutrition has always been extremely daunting to me. And not only just daunting, it hasn't tasted good. You go buy some of those other bars out there. They're actually meal replacement bars. They're not snack bars. So you're, you're putting in 230, 300 calories into your body. Uh, and then on top of that, eating a meal without realizing they say that they taste like a chocolate something and it just tastes a little bit off. It doesn't quite match what you're what you're going for. Or you're frankly just biting into a granola bar, which, you know, granola bars are fine for what they are, but no one gets excited to eat a granola bar. You know, Built Bar is completely different. And it's unlike any other protein bar that I've, that I've ever eaten. And I've made it generally a part of my diet, whether it's after a workout or just as a little snack or energy boost to get me through my day. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It comes in 18 amazing flavors, including cookies and cream, German chocolate, banana bread, double chocolate, toffee almond, and peanut butter brownie. They're covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diets. Right now, you can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off, 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So I, I spent my Tuesday listening to podcasts. There's several like NBA offseason-related podcasts that discuss potential trades involving the Magic, which kind of got me thinking a little bit more about trades and, and the Magic's positioning. The first was the low post with Zach Lowe, where he discussed with Bill Simmons the, his belief that the Magic do have a market, you know, that, that the Magic, the teams will be intrigued enough to call Nikola Vucevic and ask what would it take to get him, again, which is why I think the Magic need to have kind of a clear vision of what they're willing to do to trade for all these players, and yes, be aggressive themselves, f- identify players that fit that bill, and go out and make those offers. Go out and make those trades to get players that they want because they have players that other teams want. He talked about a deal um, potentially involving Nikola Vucevic for the second pick and and said, you know, teams will give the Magic a call to see, hey, what would it take to get this guy? That's kind of where the Magic are at. Aaron Gordon, very much in the same boat uh, as, as a guy that, that could be in there. And in fact, I listened to two podcasts that at least debated internally um, about trading for Aaron Gordon. On the latest episode of Locked On Mavericks, they did a, they're did a they doing a series where they evaluate trade targets, targets from every team. 
And they got to the Orlando Magic and they discussed, you know, whether the whether the Mavericks should go out and acquire Evan Fournier. And they kind of said, well, Evan Fournier and Tim Hardaway Jr. are kind of the pointing man, the pointing Spider-Man meme, which I think is a little unfair. I think Fournier's got a little bit more creation creation and creation potential, but but you know, I think ostensibly that's fair. And I think that Tim Hardaway Jr. is actually a like likely target for the Orlando Magic or someone that the Magic could uh, could acquire in a trade. I, I think there. I think there's a framework for a deal with Dallas involving either Evan Fournier or Aaron Gordon. They also discussed Aaron Gordon a little bit um, and how they think that him coming to Dallas would put him in a role, you know, behind Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis that would that would enhance him and, and make him a better player. But they ultimately also concluded that the Mavericks don't need to go get players that Luka will make better. They need players that will make Luka better. Um, so I think da- I think their their posture and their positioning is that Dallas is Dallas needs to go out and make deal make bigger deals like big fish deals to 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 maximize their championship window. So you know Dallas is flirting with having enough cap room, I believe, to go after Giannis in 2021. Um, and so it, it doesn't seem like Dallas is a, a Dallas. I think there's frameworks for a few deals. I think Evan Fournier for Tim Hardaway Jr. certainly makes a lot of sense. I don't know who would give up, you know, a second round pick or if they just pick swap or something like that. Um, but I, I do think that there's something in there um, for a trade um, that 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 makes sense uh, for both sides, honestly. Because I, I mean, I think again, Tim Hardaway Jr. has some flaws, but he can get hot. He's he's a decent shooter. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he fits this team's future, but you know, again, maybe you buy. He's he's on an expiring deal too, so. That would just be a swap of players. I, I I think there need to be something more to make that deal make sense for both sides, other than just change for change's sake. Which I'm I'm against. I'm against change for change's sake. I think changes have to have purpose. The only thing that Tim Hardaway Jr. I think has over Evan Fournier is that he's younger. Um, the other podcast I listened to was Locked On Celtics, and and they discussed whether the Celtics would go after Aaron Gordon, and and they thought that it was an interesting idea that that you know that you know Gordon. You know, has shown the potential, and if you can get him to accept the role as a third or fourth guy, playing defense, you know, easing the pressure off Jason Tatum, and obviously they'll help Gordon get some space too, then that would be a quality guy to go after. But again, they also kind of determined that, you know, that might be asking a little bit too much for him. That's too too many ifs to throw around, and what you'd have to give up to get an Aaron Gordon would probably cost a little bit too much. I know Magic fans have asked, you know, what would it take to get Jalen Brown out of Boston? You know, they're probably, you know, uh, Bill Simmons even suggested, you know, our team's going to call on Marcus Smart. You know, I don't think Boston should trade Marcus Smart, but if the deal's too good to pass up, you do it. Um, you know, those those kind of things. The thing that should be very clear um, from talking about these trades and talking about the potential trades that the Magic uh, are rumored to be a part of or could be a part of is that if you are a winning team, if you're a team at the top of the standings, you're essentially buyers. You're essentially teams that could go out and buy players. The Magic are not that team. The Magic are sellers. I, I, I hate to say it. And while, again, I think the Magic are in a position of power where they could say, we don't have to make this move. Give us a little bit more. They're not getting a star back for any of these players. That should be clear. I mean, the best Nikola Vucevic trade that I've seen is essentially that framework with Golden State. Uh, two and Wiggins for Vucevic in 15. And again, while I think there's something to that, if the Magic want to kickstart their rebuild or kickstart, um, you know, with with a high talent player, trading up in this draft, which I think the Magic definitely can do, I think they can accomplish that if they really want to. 
trading up in this draft and picking someone high in this draft is a possibility. Now, personally, and I'll get to this on my big board, I'm not super high on anyone at the top of this draft. If I'm the Magic, I'm looking at the 6 to 12 range as far as a trade-up option to make sure I get a guy that I like. But again, I don't know if there's anyone in this draft that I'm willing to give up a ton for. I'm going to want a, a quality player back plus that draft pick to trade up from 15. If I'm going to give up an Aaron Gordon, if I'm going to give up a, a, a player that's in this team's rotation, I'm going to want a quality player plus your pick to make it happen. And I'll give my pick up too. It's not that I'm not giving up giving up my giving up my pick. Um, you know, I, I want I want a rotation player back, a veteran rotation player back, plus your draft pick to move up in this draft. Um I, I I'm just not I, I just don't think this draft. I mean this draft I think is deep in the middle. I think there's a lot of quality role players in that middle part. But to get up to two, you know, I'm not crazy about anyone at the top of this draft. Or that that is projected to be taken at the top of this draft. So unless the magic are trading up to two to pick one of those middle guys that no one is predicting to go second, then I'm I'm really skeptical of it. Again, that's 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 my analysis of things. You might you may analyze things differently, and of course, Jeff Weltman is ultimately the arbiter of all this. If he likes Lamelo Ball, if he likes James Wiseman, if he likes you know Onyeke Okongwu, if he likes Denny Avdia, if he likes any of those players, Anthony Edwards, if he likes any of those players at the top of this draft, as I've said repeatedly. If his guy is at the top of this draft, go and get him no matter the cost. Again, the key to this trade market is to target the kind of player you want and to go up and get him. That's, or not to go up and get him, to go get him wherever he is. If Aaron Neesmith is that player, go get him. If Kelly Oubre is that player, go get him. This is this is the this is the time to kind of pick and choose who you want and to target that player specifically. Target that person specifically and you know make a little bit of a gamble and, inv- and an investment in him. This is about building for the Magic's future. So find someone that you're willing to invest in. That's that's the key to all this. But as I said, I think there's a market. I I do think that there's a market for the Magic's players. And so the trick then, the trick that Jeff Altman has to pull is figuring out how to how to get the most of that market, how to get the players that he wants out of this market. Let's talk about the NBA draft here in just a moment and break down who I think the Magic are really looking at and what the overarching view of this draft really is. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. So let's talk a little bit about the draft on a, on a global basis, on a global Um, You know, I, I, think, I think this draft is, is not a bad draft. 
Um, I, I think there are a lot of really good players in this draft class and a lot of players that can contribute at a high level uh, or find a role on their teams. Because like I said yesterday, the goal of the NBA draft is not necessarily to find a star, although that certainly helps. Um, it's to find players that can play and contribute positively to your team. You know, you don't go into a draft expecting a star. If you get one, yes, that, that's, that's, that's what you want. But, um, you know, sometimes with stars, you take swings. Um, you know, and I think, I think what's interesting about this draft is the guys at the top, you know, the guys like LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards especially, I see them as you're, they're either going to become a star and be the centerpiece of your franchise or they're going to be completely useless to play. I mean, and, and I, I'm, I'm saying that bluntly, but I feel that the guys at the top of this draft can only be stars or nothing. Anthony Edwards especially. Um, his shooting just isn't good enough, and if he can't get to the rim and score with efficiency and be a kind of centerpiece star, then I, I don't know what other skills he brings to the table. You know, LaMelo Ball, I think, is really interesting um, because he's clearly a good scorer. He can clearly get to the basket. I mean, averaging as many points as he did in Australia uh, at his age is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, I, I do think LaMelo Ball is the best player in this draft. But his shooting was really concerning. I think he shot sub-30% from three um, in, in, his, in, his, in the Australian League and the NBL. Uh, and if his shot isn't there, and he's, you know, I don't think he's as good of a playmaker and passer as Lonzo is. But if if his shot isn't there, and he can't play a little bit off the ball, and he's just kind of a ball dominant scorer, what else can he be? If he's not an elite elite guy at those, and I don't think he's elite at those, what else can he be? And I think that's ultimately the question that that we face at the top of this draft, and why I'm skeptical that trading to two is the right call. The guys that I'm interested in, the guys that I evaluate highly. I mean, if the Magic traded up to two and they traded Nikola Vucevic to get there, you know, I, I don't think it's a good idea to draft another center in front of Mobamba unless you're planning to trade Mobamba, which I, I don't sense this team wants to. You know, James Wiseman to me makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I think that he's more of a traditional center, but I think he's good defensively. He's good athletically. Um, I think that he can improve his offensive game. He's a good rim runner. Um, but again, even he, I feel, is limited because he's not going to develop a jumper. He's not going to do much besides be a rim-running center. And I don't know if that's worth, you know, trading up to to get to the number three pick. I, I, I've told this to people um, on online several times, and I, I think I might be ridiculed for this, but I'm not sure James Wiseman is ever better than Nikola Vucevic. They're different. They're maybe not an apples-to-apples comparison, but I'm not sold that Wiseman will ever be better than Nikola Vucevic today. And maybe you are. Again, if ultimately the only guy that matters is Jeff Waltman. If Jeff Waltman believes that, do the deal. If, if James Wiseman is Jeff Waltman's guy, do the deal. Do it today, tomorrow, whenever. He's not my guy. He's not someone that I would trade up for. He's not someone that I would expend assets to go get. That's my feeling. Honestly, I don't think he has the star potential, but I honestly think Onyeke Okongwu might be the best big man in this draft. We know that he is a really strong rebounder. We know that he is a great rim protector. He should have been Defensive Player of the Year at USC. His, his only job is def defense. And while he can't score much beyond putbacks, he's a guy that knows what his role can be. And, you know, maybe he can develop a little bit of postgame. He's still relatively young. It's a little undersized at 6'9", but that doesn't seem to matter in this league. If he can develop a little further, you know, offensively, the defensive piece is already there. 
Like, he, like again, for a player like Okongwu, I know what his role can be. And to me, that's what I'm looking for in this draft more than anything else, is guys that have star potential, but can also fit a role. So that's why I'm so high on Aaron Neesmith. I think Aaron Neesmith is the best shooter in this draft. I think he's shown that he can play with an NBA offense as he understands NBA spacing. He understands how to cut as an NBA player, how to get his shots as an NBA player. And while he may not be great off the dribble, he may not be a great driver. If I'm the Magic, I'd rather trade up to get Aaron Neesmith than to take on Buddy Heald's contract. If Aaron Neesmith just becomes Buddy Heald, that's fine. I can, I can work with that. The same thing with Devin Vassell. Devin Vassell, is, is, I don't think, is as good of a shooter as Aaron Neesmith, but he's still a good shooter. He's a better defender, maybe a little bit better off the bounce, although I'm not counting on him to play off the bounce. But again, if, if, you know, Aaron, if, if Aaron Neesmith becomes a 20-point scorer, that's great. If he doesn't, he's a, he's a shooter, which Magic desperately need. If Devin Vassell doesn't become a star player, he is already tailor-made to be a 3 and D guy. These are guys with high floors. They may have limited ceilings. They may not have the potential to be something greater, but they have high floors. You know exactly what you can get from them. And if they don't pan out, they could still be something else for you. The, the, the risk is lower with players like that. And that's why I'm, I'm a fan of going after them. That's why, that's why I think those are the two guys that I would, I would target more than anyone else in this draft, to be perfectly honest. The other, players that, that, the other shooters that I think are interesting are Tyrell Terry of Stanford, um, I think Jameis Ramsey of, of Texas Tech is really interesting. Um, I, I think that, you know, you can look at Sadiq Bey of Villanova, who I think checks a lot of marks for the Magic uh, as far as size and, and defensive ability goes. Um, you know, they're, they're, these are all guys, for the most part, that are multidimensional players, that can do multiple things, that you're not relying on them to take over the team. They can still do things otherwise. Having said all this, if the Magic do stay at 15... I do think it behooves them, and, and it does benefit them, to look at players with high upside, to look at players that may have fallen through the cracks. 15 is a perfect place to draft someone that's fallen through the cracks. And, you know, I don't know if they'll still be there at 15 anymore, but RJ Hampton and Cole Anthony are two guys who entered high school, entered college with, you know, or entered their, their post-high school careers as guys with tremendous potential, as guys that were ranked very, very highly, that just struggled in the situations they were in. Cole Anthony dealt with a foot injury the entire season and, and wasn't really the same. And while I think he has to improve as a passer and playmaker, there's no denying that he is good at getting to the basket and, and that he can create his own shot a little bit. You know, maybe if he doesn't pan out, there's certainly the risk that he can't really do anything for you. But at 15, if you're taking a guy with that kind of upside, you take that risk. Again, maybe the Magic aren't in a position to take that risk because they're quasi-rebuilding or they're, they're quasi-preparing to tank the season. The other guy is certainly RJ Hampton, too. Hampton really struggled in his year in Australia, um, but he's undoubtedly a talented guy. He can get to the basket whenever he wants. Um, finishing there is certainly still a challenge, but he's decent at it. Shooting is a challenge for him, but he reportedly worked all, all offseason with Mike Miller to improve his shot, and the reviews are at least encouraging that his shot has gotten better enough that you have something to work with. And, you know, you're looking for a guy who can be the next Michael Porter Jr. that had a red flag that just slipped through the cracks and turned out to be okay. Or you're looking for a guy like Donovan Mitchell where there are just questions about something translating to the NBA and he just has that fire. You know, these are guys that might be those players. So again, I don't think that the, you know, the, the risk-reward changes. If you're trading up, go for someone that you're sure about. 
That's, that's my thing. If you're trading up, go for someone you're sure about. If you're staying at 15, be open to a little bit of risk. You know, what you do in the draft determines what kind of player you take. But overall, you know, I've gone through a long list of players that I think are intriguing enough for the Magic to take. I mean, I, I would have Aaron Neesmith as the top of my wish list, followed by Devin Vassell. Um, I think that the point guard uh, candidates and Ty- uh, Tyrese Halliburton and um, Killian Hayes are interesting for trade-up opportunities. I'm, I'm not sold that they have the shooting that the Magic need to fit the rest of their roster, especially if they're planning to play them alongside Markel Fultz. I think right now the Magic's plan is for Markel Fultz to be their point guard of the future. So I, I think that I think that they I, I don't think that they're they're necessarily searching for a point guard option like that. Um, but you know who knows. Um, as I think it's been very made very clear, you don't draft based on need. You draft based on talent. So again, you evaluate the talent. If you like the talent, you figure out the fit later. Um, again, Marco Fultz will be restricted free agent next summer anyway, so you, you have decisions to make on him too. Otherwise, you know, I do like some of the players that, that the Magic could get at 15. You know, Sadiq Bey, I think, can play a role in the league. I don't think he has much star potential, but I think he can play a role. I think RJ Hampton and Cole Anthony both have star potential, but their bust potential is also pretty high too. So there's a little bit of risk involved in everything. I am, you know, I, I, I'm personally lower on Obi Toppin, but I don't think he'll play into anything the Magic do. Um, I think Kira Lewis is an interesting prospect as well as a scoring point guard. I think Tyrese Maxey, for much the same reason, although although his playmaking certainly improved as the season went on, is someone else the Magic could look at. And like I said, you know, while I think Jameis Ramsey doesn't have the size that the Magic like, his scoring is noticeable. He's a forty percent shooter, average fifteen forty percent three point shooter, average fifteen points per game. It's it's hard to ignore someone who who scored that much on that efficiency, even if he's a six four point guard or six four shooting guard. Um, JJ Redick was a six four shooting guard. It seemed to work out okay for him. Um, there are there's still a lot of players in this draft that I think are intriguing enough that the Magic should be looking at. They should have a wide, wide net cast on this, and, and they should certainly be open to just about anything going on. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himley, Google Play, Spotify, and all the places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter again at R underscore OMD. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, check out orlandomagicdaily.com. I have my full Orlando Magic NBA Draft Big Board coming up later this afternoon. We finish up our series looking at potential trade targets throughout the NBA uh, today with the Southwest Division. We'll have a recap of those five article or of those six articles coming up shortly. And we've begun NBA Draft Previews. Our, uh, our LaMelo Ball and Aaron Neesmith profiles are up. Our Killian Hayes profile is going up later today as well. So check those out when you have the opportunity. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? 
Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 